I am Pastor Steve, and I'm really pleased today to be wrapping up our series on Blessed Are Those, our study of the Beatitudes. You know, it was about 20 years ago, in fact, it was 20 years ago, the year 2000, the turn of the century, when a little book, a Christian book, took the world by storm. It became an immediate international bestseller by Dr. Bruce Wilkinson, and it's titled The Prayer of Jabez. Now, many of you probably read this. I have multiple copies, actually, in my library, in my office. In fact, as this became a bestseller, people started looking at it. What does it say? Because it comes out of a very obscure passage of the Bible. It's in First Chronicles, and it's in the middle of an endless list of genealogies. And in the midst of these genealogies, you come to chapter 4, verse 10 of First Chronicles, and it says this. Jabez cried out to the God of Israel, Oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my territory. Let your hand be with me and keep me from harm so that I'll be free from pain. And God granted his request. Now, it's a wonderful passage of Scripture. And it's a beautiful example of what God did for Jabez. And it challenged us, and Dr. Wilkinson's position, I believe, was to challenge us to be in that same attitude of submission, but for God to, to bless what we're doing if we're in submission to him. But unfortunately, many people took this more like a, a magic formula. <laughs> many people, that's why it became an international bestseller. All I got to do is rub that, rub that magic uh, genie and it will come out and, and it'll, the genie will come and give me anything I want. Protect me, no harm. This sounds like a great deal. Not understanding what it actually meant and what it means to us today. And so I think as I have this on my bookshelf, just to keep things in perspective, right next to that, I keep another little book. And this little book is called Fox's Christian Book of Martyrs. Right next to it. You know, Jabez is crying out, keep me from harm. May I have no pain. And here, John Fox, back in the 16th century, put a beautiful piece of work together that has been added to since of those who experienced much pain, much harm, much suffering because of following Christ. And I think that perspective is so needed, at least it's needed for me, when I look at the passage that we're looking at today. What Jesus had to say to close out the Beatitudes in Matthew chapter 10, Matthew chapter, Matthew chapter 5, verse 10. Verse 10. He says this. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Wow. A little different than bless me, keep me from harm, keep me from pain. He says here, blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness. Also, notice that the reward is the kingdom of heaven. It's the same reward as the first beatitude. It's kind of, Jesus kind of bookends it here. The poor in spirit, theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who are persecuted, theirs are the kingdom of heaven. Also notice that this, <laughs> this beatitude is given right after the beatitude, blessed are the peacemakers. 
Peacemakers and persecution, they don't seem to really go together, do they? But yet Jesus is saying here, blessed are the peacemakers, you'll be, children, you'll be called the children of God. Now he seems to be saying, okay, children of God, don't get too comfortable. Don't get too comfortable because you may be persecuted and blessed are those who are persecuted. You don't get an exemption from persecution just because you're a Christ follower. In fact, throughout Scripture, throughout the New Testament, and here we seem to see from Jesus that if you're really a Christ follower, if you really believe in him, if you're really living for Jesus Christ, you probably have a better chance of experiencing persecution. The persecutions you suffer may be more than a non-Christian just because you call Christ Lord in your life. This is so important and maybe so um, surprising to hear that Jesus adds to it. He goes on in verse 11 and says this, blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. I mean, for Jesus to have to expound, the only beatitude he expounds on, for him to have to go on like this, is, this had to be something that both he felt was important, maybe would be misunderstood. He needed to explain it more, unpack it just a little bit. But whatever it was, Jesus here is saying, you need to be prepared. Now we know, don't we know that we all suffer trials and tribulations in life? Being a Christian doesn't exempt us. We all get sick. We all have some illnesses. We all have cars that break down, right? At the, at the worst time, don't they? We all suffer with relationships that aren't the greatest. Maybe jobs that turn out to not be what we'd hoped they would be. We suffer financial difficulties. And so we have these general persecutions or general sufferings, general trials. But Jesus here is talking about something specific, not just general. Very specific in what he says. In fact, go back to that verse 10. He says, blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness. This Greek word yoko, persecution, is an intense word. It means to be pursued. In fact, actually, that the actual meaning of is, it, is to, to run away from, to avoid, to escape because of the pressure, the intensity of the action that's being taken, being harassed, being troubled, even being molested. He says, these people who are being pursued to such to the point that they, they, they can't stand, they got to run, they gotta, and, they're, and they feel like they're being pursued. He said, that's the way it is to be persecuted. But he just doesn't say persecuted. He said, persecuted, why? Because of righteousness. It's not because you've done anything bad. It's because you've done good. <laughs> you remember a couple weeks ago, we talked about blessed are those who hunger and thirst for Righteousness. I don't know what they would have done if Jesus would have said, oh yes, and then you will be persecuted. <laughs> You'll be filled and then persecuted. Righteousness. You might remember righteousness, we said, was, was right. 
The, the, the righteous means right. So that this, you're being persecuted for doing right, for being right, for being a person of integrity, for being a person of honesty, for being a person of truth, for being a person of love, for being a person of mercy, for being a person of, of gratitude. You're, you're being persecuted for that. You talk about it's not about being right. That doesn't seem right, does it? And it certainly doesn't seem fair. But Jesus warns them, blessed are you when you are persecuted because of righteousness. He goes on in that verse 11, though, and he switches this. And notice this here. He switches from the third person, which all these have been, blessed are those, blessed are they, to blessed are you. Blessed are you. You know, he, we're told here at the beginning of this Sermon on the Mount, that when Jesus went up to the mountain, he saw the crowds, but it was his disciples that he pulled with him. He's talking to his disciples and everybody else is eavesdropping, as you might expect. And so he's been talking in this third person, oh, blessed are those. You know, I can, I can understand if I'm a disciple, yeah, blessed are they, yeah, those that mourn, those that are poor in spirit, yeah, bless the merciful, I'll come with me, right? And he's talking about blessed are those. And it's, it's, it's interesting how our minds change when we think about somebody else. And all of a sudden he turns it, I could just see, I could just see Jesus looking into the eyes of Peter and James and John and Matthew and Andrew and, and saying, blessed are you, blessed are you. And he does this, he says, blessed are you when people, and he adds to this list. He adds to this list of persecutions. He says, not only persecutions, but, but they say evil things about you or they insult you. They just make life tough for you. They harass you. It's different levels of persecution is what it is. You know, someone just saying some, some nasty things about you, that might be harassment, and it's a, it's a level of persecution. But then there's also a level of persecution where people are giving their lives. And he says, you're going to have all of that. And blessed are you, and he's pointing to the disciples. Insults, persecution, lies, because of me. Because of me. It's not because... You know, don't take it personally, guys. <laughs> it's tough not to take it personally, isn't it? When we're insulted because of Christ, when we're persecuted because of Christ, it, to the extent that we have been maybe in this country. We take that personally. But he said, it's not because of you. It's not because of what you've done. You've done righteous. You've been good. You've been right. But the persecution is coming. And it's because of me. And he closes again by kind of repeating the reward. He says, because great is your reward in heaven. Yours is the kingdom of heaven. There is a reward coming. First Peter, Peter even talks about this in 4.13. 4, he says, rejoice as you share in the sufferings of Christ. So that you may also rejoice with great joy when his glory is revealed. Rejoice in the sufferings of Christ. Rejoice when you go through the same kind of persecutions that Christ went through because one day you're going to have that same joy. The joy that you go through now, even a greater joy when Christ comes. And so we see through this teaching of Jesus and we see through the New Testament here, we see that consistent principle. And the principle is this, persecution will come. Persecution will come. It's coming. One way or another, sometime or another, persecution will come. 
John 15, 20, a servant is not greater than his master. Jesus tells his disciples before he dies, if they persecuted me, they're gonna persecute you. He told them there in the Sermon on the Mount in the Beatitudes, remember that you persecuted the prophets before you. And the prophets were persecuted. Hebrews chapter 11, that great faith chapter says, these, 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 these uh, prophets that came before were sawn in two. They were stoned. They were killed by the sword. It happened, and it's going to happen. And when the first prophet or the first Christian martyr, Stephen, died, just before they were picking up the stones to kill him, he said, what what prophet has your ancestors not persecuted? It's like he's saying, name me one. Give me one name. <laughs> Who haven't your ancestors persecuted? But it's not just the apostles. It's not just the prophets. Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy 3.12, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Jesus Christ will be persecuted. Everyone, that word strikes me a little bit. <laughs> that word gets me. Everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. So a takeaway today, one takeaway would be that, that if we know persecution will come, it's this, don't be surprised. Don't be surprised. We have been warned. Jesus has told us the prophets have been persecuted. I've been persecuted. Disciples, you're going to be persecuted. Now we're told everybody who calls on the name, who lives a godly life in Christ Jesus, is going to be persecuted. So don't be surprised. Start paying attention. And sometimes, I got to admit, for Americans, this is a little hard. We don't think about real persecution. Now, we have some little things going on, but we really, we're more concerned with the important things. We're more concerned with things like, who is going to be hosting Dancing with the Stars this month, this, this year? <laughs> or more important questions, are we going to have football <laughs> this fall? Or maybe more serious questions that we wrestle with, do I send my kids to school, or do I homeschool, or do I go online? Do I have an option? Do I have a choice? Those are questions we wrestle with and we spend our time with all the time. Maybe we spend our time with, well, my, my, my 401k is not doing so well, my retirement. Our minds are on everything except persecution. And so when persecution comes, it's a surprise. And he says, don't be surprised. In fact, we're, we're told that don't be surprised. We are not exempt. Everyone everyone who lives, tries to live a godly life in Jesus Christ will suffer persecution. Wow, don't be surprised. It's happening. And you know, and I know, it's happening around the world. Maybe not to the extent, though. Or maybe we don't realize to the extent it is. The organization Open Doors, a Christian nonprofit organization, does, an, does a study called its uh, World List of Persecuted Countries, and it ranks all the persecuted countries. In its 2018 World List, it, World Watch List, it said this, approximately 215 million, 215 million Christians experience high, very high, or extreme persecution for following Jesus. 215 million. Related study says one out of every nine, one out of every nine Christians experience high levels of persecution. 
and suffer for their faith. Also in 2018, a Newsweek article cited respected research and said this, persecution and genocide of Christians across the world today is worse than at any time in history, both in the number and in the severity. You might have read just past weeks what is happening in China right now. They're going to Christians and they're saying, either you give up all your rally, anything across, anything, a Bible, anything that's in your home, or you will no longer receive benefits from the government. And these are people that are poor. This all began in 2018 with new restrictions, new regulations, because the Communist Party found out that there were, or discovered, or at least believe that there are more Christians in China than members of the Communist Party. And when you, the, the goal is to, to worship and to respect and to follow only the government and its leader, Anything else is allowed. And so we see the major, one of the major, two major ways persecution comes on is through government agencies. And we see that in China today. It gets personal sometimes. You know, I've talked many times about Gary Wright and World Renewal, and we support World Renewal. They're a mission partner of us. I've been on their board for many years. Today, as we speak, we have two pastors in jail in a Muslim country in northern Africa. Three have been, two now. Because of the ripple effects of that, World Renewal and two other mission organizations have had to raise $70,000 just to support, to feed, to relocate those Christians that are in this country. World Renewal and Evangelical Friends Eastern Region have experienced persecution with our missionaries who are indigenous individuals in India. Extreme persecution. It's around the world. And so the Bible warns us, don't be surprised. Don't be surprised when it comes your way. In fact, <laughs> Peter says it. In 1 Peter 2.4.12, he says, Dear friends, do not be surprised. Get it? <laughs> Don't be surprised that at the fiery ideal it has come to test you. And he's, he's sending, telling this to the scattered individuals around the world. He says to test you as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice in as much as you participate in the sufferings of Christ so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. Then he says if you are insulted, remember that's what Jesus said, you're going to be insulted. Because of the name of Christ, you are blessed. For the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. Oh, there's so much we could pack there, unpack. Mm, don't be surprised. Don't be surprised. Don't be surprised when the persecutions come. But not besides being, not, not being surprised, we also must be prepared. We must be prepared. You know, Jesus, in Luke chapter 14, he's talking to some folks, and he says, who, when they go to build a tower, don't first count the cost to make sure you can finish it? As Christians, as God calls us to follow him, to live a godly life, we are called to count the cost and what it may cost to us. Over the last couple years through World Renewal, 
I've gotten to know an incredible lady. Her name is Emily Foreman. Emily and her husband, Stephen, were unlikely missionaries. Uh, Emily grew up in a Christian home, strong Christian, had a little slip and, um, you know, little rebellion in a young age, became a single mother. Stephen had married also at a, married at a young age and wanted to go to be a missionary and to serve Christ, and his wife did not really care for that and divorced him. Um, they happened to meet, and when they met, on the first date, Stephen gave Emily a copy, a well-worn copy of Fox's Christian's Book of Martyrs. How's that for a first date gift? <laughs> it also tells you what his goal in life might have been, right? Well, they went on and had three kids, so four all together. Young kids, all very young, working out in the business world when God called them. And as timing and as fate would have it, they left for a, this same North African country that I mentioned earlier, Muslim country. They left just after 9-11. They had been planning, they had been trained, and so they went. Emily and Stephen went, and they can't go as Christians in that country. It's illegal to convert anybody to Christianity. So they went working with an NGO, a non-government organization, where they cared for people, went to the prisons, set up education. And Stephen became highly respected. The government officials, the, the Muslim government officials, valued what he was doing for the people and maybe overlooked some of the things that he was doing with, with others until about eight years into their ministry. One day he left to go to his office and three gentlemen, three men, three Al-Qaeda extremists, come from an Al-Qaeda extremist, jumped out of a car, grabbed him to pull him in the car, he resisted, and so they, one pulled out a gun and shot him in the head. The family was devastated. Um, the mission organizations were devastated. And they returned home. I can tell you Emily has gone back many times, doing a great ministry in that, in that field. But as she gets questioned about how could this happen, how could, you, how, how could you sacrifice, how could you allow that to happen, what could go on? And, and she said, well, before we went, long before we went, Stephen made the same commitment, the same commitment that missionary James Calvert, the great missionary to the cannibals in Fiji made. And he said, it was this, we died before we came here. We died before we came here. And by the way, if you want to read her book, incredible book, that's the title of it. We died before we came here. Stephen had made the choice that no matter what, no matter if it requires my life, I will give it. But that decision had to be made before he left, before the persecution came. If we're living for ourselves, if we're living for our retirement, if we're living for our popularity, if we're living for all the things that sometimes we as Americans, as consumerists, live it for, dying to self is tough.
The Apostle Paul says in Galatians 2.20, I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Jesus said in Luke 14, 27, whoever does not carry their cross and follow me, I cannot, they cannot be my disciples. People like Stephen Foreman are cross carriers. And they're prepared for the persecution that comes because they've made the decision beforehand. The decision's already been made. He died before he went. Their whole family died before they went. Died to Christ, his will for their life. Whatever it is, Lord, I am willing to give it. Be prepared. So just real quickly, three quick takeaways. Knowing that persecution is coming and you know, you're probably thinking in America, we don't suffer intense persecution, but there are, are places, and there are places where it comes from government, and there's places where it comes from individuals who are antagonistic towards the Christian faith. It may be more harassment at times, but none of, very few people think that that, very few Christians think that persecution is impossible or maybe not around the corner. And so, as disciples of Christ, the first thing we gotta do is we must die first. We must die for, we must be surrendered to Christ. We must say, uh, I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back, no turning back. No matter what the persecution may be, no matter how hard it may be, be prepared. Be prepared. Put on your armor, as we talked about when we were in Ephesians chapter 6. Be faithful. Pick up that word, study it, know it, be in prayer. And then there's another thing, you always pick your battles. Have you ever heard that? You know, not every battle's worth being persecuted over. I, I love it in the, in the introduction to her book. Um, Emily is not her real name, in case you're wondering. And she says this about that. Although names have been changed to protect the workers in the ongoing work in North Africa, this hasn't been, has not been done out of fear or desire for safety. I absolutely believe that every true follower of Christ should be willing to give his or her, her life for Jesus' sake and purpose. And she has this, but to do so for the sake of a book would be a waste of a precious life. Not every hill's worth dying for. You know, I think about that when I think of these things. <laughs> you know, I've heard some preachers that are really angry and upset and screaming. And we've just decided here, friends, that this, you know, other people are being asked to do this. Everybody's being asked to do this. This isn't a hill worth dying on. This isn't, this isn't causing us to turn away from Christ. And so that's why we've, we're doing what we do with the masks. But persecution may be coming. And there may be a day where we need to say no. There may be a day when we need to stand up and say we serve Christ. We must die first. But the second thing is, don't endure alone. Don't endure alone. <laughs> you know, one is easily overtaken. Two can fight back. But a core, strand of three cores is not easily broken, we're told in Ecclesiastes. When you have friends, when you have those who go with it, who can pray with you, who can give you encouragement, 
who can bind your wounds, who can impart wisdom. When we go through this persecution, we need each other. One of the wonderful things I read, and especially I read it, it's come out of the church in Nigeria that has been suffered under Islamic persecution now, the Christians that are very numerous there. And they says, you know the one thing? One thing this has done is this has ended all the denominational infighting. All the stuff that we used to argue about, persecution has ended it. We are together. We are in unity. Wouldn't it be wonderful to see the church of Jesus Christ in the United States in perfect, in unity together, standing up? Maybe it'll take persecution. I don't know. I'm not a prophet. At least I don't claim to be. But who knows? Don't do it alone. And third, remember the promise. Remember the promise. There is a kingdom of heaven that awaits. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. And I might even add to this. Remember the promises that God gives us in his word. The blessings. We've been studying these weeks. You know, blessed are those that mourn. We may still be mourning. We, we may still be grieving. We may, we may still be suffering. We may be still poor in spirit. We may be still all these things. But, but God sends his blessings. Not material blessings all the time, but spiritual blessings. Blessings in the midst of our hard times. Blessings that we may not even recognize as blessings. Blessed are those. Blessed are those. Have you thought about God's blessings? Have you thought about how sometimes we may not even recognize them? Yeah.
Lord, this morning, um, kind of admit I'm a little addicted to this comfortable life. Lord, forgive me. Forgive us, Lord, for where we ignore the persecution, the hurt, the difficulties that our brothers and sisters around the world are going through. Lord, open our eyes so that we can see and help us then to prepare. And Lord, open us our eyes to see the blessings that maybe we didn't consider blessings as we've been through this passage. And you've talked about the blessed ones. Lord, we want to be those this morning. Lord, bless us. Bless us as individuals. Bless us as a church. Bless us as a nation, Lord. And we know, Lord, that one day, (laughs) this place is not our home. This place is not our home. One day we'll be with you, bringing honor and glory to your name. Be with us now as we go. Lead us, Lord. Guide us, direct us. And we do pray that prayer of Jabez. Lord, keep us from harm and from pain. Lord, knowing that your blessings will come and we accept them, whatever they are. (laughs) It's in that precious, powerful name of Jesus that we pray today. Amen. Amen. Thanks for joining us today as we finished up our series on the Beatitudes here at Friends Church. In the next few minutes, you're going to see some questions rolling by your screen. Take time and reflect on those. And maybe if you have some folks with you, you could even discuss some of these reflections and thoughts on persecution and how we handle persecution and what types of persecution may be coming our way. It's an important issue, and I just hope you take the time to reflect on that and what God's Word has said to us today. I also want to thank you. Thank you so much for your support for Friends Church, for all that you're doing, especially financially. If you haven't in the past uh, been giving, I encourage you to do that through our online resources. You can just go to our website, whfriends.org, click on one of those give buttons, and it'll walk you right through how to give online. You can also use our text to give. That information is there online also. Or you can do it the old-fashioned way, send in a check and support the work of the church. A lot's going on, and we appreciate all your support in doing the work of the Lord through Friends Church. Thank you so much. Have a great week. God bless everyone.